0: Welcome back into another episode of the Mean Streets podcast. I'm William Galloway, joined via call with Britton Johnson. And before we jump into today's episode, let me tell you about an amazing realtor here in Birmingham, Mary Ansley Smalley with Ray and Pointer Properties. Whether you're stepping into homeownership for the first time, upgrading to a larger space or navigating the sale of your current home, Mary Ansley is your go-to guide for a seamless and stress-free real estate journey. A native of the Mean Streets herself, Mary Ansley has a deep knowledge of Birmingham's hottest and most desired neighborhoods and is committed to turning your real estate goals into reality. Ready to make your move? Call or text her today. Mary Ansley Smalley, 205 276 6438. 205 276 6438. Britton Johnson, 33 is the number of this podcast, and I'm not talking about what series podcast we've done in the Mean Streets or the Galloway. I am talking about missed three-pointers for Alabama last night. That's right. They missed 33 three-pointers on 48 attempts, which means they hit 15 in a dominating game over Mississippi State, 99-67. to What a week for Alabama basketball. Big win on the road. Let's get your reaction, jumping right into it big win over Georgia on the road after looking horrible and then a dominating game over Mississippi State Alabama probably could have scored 130 points
1: this is the type of week that wins you a league and you know I I think people lose sight of it because they're like oh you go to Georgia it's a game you are probably supposed to win and, and we struggled maybe more than we were supposed to and then you play Mississippi State at home a team you've already beaten and you you take care of business but it's It's doing the ordinary, I hate calling them ordinary, but the the games you're supposed to win and just taking care of business, those are the ones that actually win you the league. Uh, You got to win a couple of tough ones here and there, but I I think I said this last week, if you win all your home games and you win the road games you're supposed to win, you're going to be in position to be right there. And um, this team has just found a way to keep winning the games you're supposed to win and uh, in convincing fashion too when they need to. So, uh they're getting better. It, it's getting scary for the rest of the league. I think when when you look at the way this this team is improving, you got guys like Jaron uh and Modi Abate who are just continually getting better. So uh if I were the rest of the SEC, uh it's kind of a scary sight to see Alabama start to hit on all cylinders at this time of the year.
0: And Alabama has their biggest game to date on Wednesday when they go to Auburn. Uh, that's Auburn's biggest game of the year, uh, not their biggest game. we are saying is their Super Bowl. They're the biggest game of the entire year. It doesn't matter what they do other than – than this game in Neville Arena. But let's before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's go back and talk about Alabama being down 17 to 2, coming back and not only beating Georgia, but covering Georgia, beating them 85, 76, getting a huge win on the road, something they don't get, I would say, if you don't play those tough non-conference games at Creighton playing Purdue at a neutral site, you know, all those top 10 teams that they played uh, and had a grueling non-conference. Here they are at eight and one in conference play uh, sitting at the beginning of February.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at a game like that, you know, I walked into my friend's apartment to watch the game and we were down 17 to two. And I was like, it's going to be one of those days, huh? But at the end of the day, like with Oates at the helm, as long as We continue to run the system that we do. You're never out of a game. And it's one of those things that it kind of turns into a bit of a boxing match where it's like, okay, we got, we got knocked down in the first round, right? We we took a loss in the first round, but you got to keep trading blows for the next five, six, seven rounds. And then put yourself in position to, with a couple of convincing rounds late, be able to win the game. Because, you know, with Oates, you're only one four minute stretch of a run away from being right back into a game. You just can't get out of it any more than you are. And so, They weathered the storm through the next, probably, what would you say, 20, 25 minutes of the game. And then when it came down to it, uh, big plays when you needed them, made a big run. Grant was absolutely massive. What a huge jump for him, a guy that's, you know, probably been struggling a little bit confidence-wise. To make those two threes had to be just this unbelievable wave of relief. I You know, just having been in that spot before, when, when you see it go in a couple times after kind of really struggling it, Especially a, a bigger moment. There's there's no better feeling. So I was so happy for him and uh, just got stops, made plays when you need to. This team is gone from you know I'd say probably being a really questionable finishing team, not in terms of around the rim, but in terms of finishing games, to a team that can really finish and win games late because they're a great free throw shooting team. The defense is getting significantly better and. They have a guy in Mark Sears who you can just get the rock to at the end of the game and say win us this one. And I don't know if there's a better guard in the country right now. We can talk a little bit about him getting snubbed for all those national awards. It's it's ridiculous. But uh, you and I were going through it. Uh, in his in I guess the nine conference games that he has played so far, he scored twenty or more in eight of them, which is stupid. It's outright stupid. The only one he didn't was against Missouri, who you know we pulled away, ended up winning convincingly late. Uh, but the last like five or six or literally like 22, 21, 22, 22. And you and I were talking about it. A lot of the times it's not like he makes the loud plays. It's like a quiet 20, but it's just, it's automatic. And it's, it's what the great scorers do. So it's, it's really nice to have a guy like him. You can just kind of feed the rock and say, when is this one? And sometimes it's playing pick and pop game with Grant. They had a great man game going. Uh, Grant had good looks. They obviously were going to leave him and let him shoot those. And, you know, if, if you're on the Georgia side of things and you're playing against a guy, you know, they probably scouted him with, Hey, this guy's really, really struggling from three right now. We're going to kind of give him space. Uh, maybe close out high hand, but give him space. If he, you know, beats you with a shot, it's not the end of the world. And for him to hit the two daggers, you're just, you're crushed on that. I mean, I've been on the other side of that a few times and it's crushing, but, um, it, it was just a massive win.
0: And, you know, like I was saying earlier, it's the type of win that ends up winning you the league. So I want to go in in that Georgia game. We'll talk about Grant. We'll talk about the freshman who excelled against Mississippi State on Saturday night. Grant not being a freshman, but some of the other guys stepping up. Grant with plenty of experience uh, as a transfer. When you're in, you talk about those four-minute segments, right? You've been in Nate Oates' huddle. Tell me walk me through how he explains and gets his guys to not win the game but to but to win those 4 minutes. What does he say in order to cuz the game is really sectored down into, you know, those 10 4-minute segments, 5 each half. Does he talk about winning each four or does he say just get to a certain number when you're down or I mean obviously he he's been emphatic on telling his guys to keep shooting no matter the score tell me and tell me what you hear as a player when you're in the huddle down seventeen to two or something like that, and you can't win the game in a four minute stretch, but you've got to get yourself back into it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've heard it both ways uh, with the different coaches that I've had. uh oats is big on the four minute wars. you know that's it, we'll do four minute war scrimmages, six minute war scrimmages. so you know when it gets down to especially when it gets down to winning time, it kind of turns into like hey, this is what we've done forever but when you get down early it's so important to not have the mindset of we need to all get it all back right now because that's when you end up kind of going back to the boxing thing overextending a little bit trying to make the knockout punch and then you end up getting knocked out right um but in basketball terms you got to look at it as we'll get in the huddle and say hey let's get a kill right here kills three straight stops If we get three straight stops and get a score or two and just start slowly chipping away at it you know all you need is to be within striking distance late and you can win the game. You know, Bucky would always say something along the lines of we, we get down like 20 points in a game. He said, Hey, we get this thing to under 10 with under 10 minutes left, you know, around then uh, we're going to win the game. That's just the mindset he had. And so he would just say, Hey, focus on getting one stop, one possession at a time. Cause it, it looks so daunting and large sometimes when you're down 17 points or down, whatever, um, it kind of seems impossible to come back from that. But it really is just like a one play, one possession at a time. And all of a sudden, especially with the way Alabama plays, you hit a couple threes and you look up and say, hey, we're down 10.
0: Like And it, that's- it's it's not where we have a chance. It's we're going to win the game. And that was publicized that he said in his press conference after the Georgia game, not, hey, if you get to this number, we have a chance. But he said it's the same thing with Bucky that it is with Nate. We are going to win the game. Not – not – go do all this and we have a chance. I think that's huge because that language as a coach gives players that confidence. And we know not every coach in the area has given every player, every ounce of confidence. Um, But that's, there's a psychological edge to that too. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I think that those two coaches in particular, uh, Oates and Bucky, I mean, granted I'm super biased. Those are the two guys that have pretty much coached me since I was a sophomore junior in high school. Right. So, with the one-year buffer of Avery. But, you know, those two guys, I think, instill confidence in their guys in a different way, uh, certainly, but as well as anyone. You know, I think Oates does it a lot through, he's going to work your butt off during practice and making sure you get your work in outside of practice. And then he's going to lean on that experience and say, you worked way too hard to not be confident right now. And uh, he's also just maybe the most competitive person I've ever met. So when it gets down to winning time, like, he's never going to back down from a fight. And, uh, yeah, I loved hearing that quote and uh, just knowing that that is the mindset. Like, it's not that we can win. We're going to win this game. You just got to do this, this, and this. Um, And that's what winners do, man. It's it's been really cool to see. Well, we'll talk about the Mississippi State game uh, in a second. But just, like, as a whole this week, this week made me reflect on where Alabama is as a program as much as any week in a while, which is weird because we just had a huge one in which we beat Auburn and – All of that. But it really was one of those weeks that you look at and say three or four, maybe not three years ago. We were were really good three years ago, four, five, six years ago. Alabama wins at most one of those games. Uh, Maybe wins the Mississippi State one, but at the same time, it just not like in the fashion that they did it. And now you're looking up and saying these guys are eight and one in conference. I mean, I think. My first two years at Alabama, we won eight conference games. You're we eight and ten, and we were already there. And it's the, I guess yesterday would have been the day we accomplished that, and it was the third day of February. So it's just the program is in a completely different place than it was even when you know Nate took over. Um, and so that's just such a testament to what he has built there, the culture he's built there, and and. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. You know, you look at the guys coming in next year. uh, You never know today with the transfer portal, I guess. But assuming the guys that return are are kind of projected to return, that's a national title contender next year as well. So, I mean, that's kind of the look ahead, especially if Mark comes back. But uh, it's scary for the rest of the SEC. I'll say it that way.
0: And it's good to remind ourselves, too. When Alabama made the tournament in 2017, 18, I guess, with Colin Sexton. And, it, you know, Alabama made the tournament and had to beat A&M to get in. That was a huge accomplishment. And now it's, yeah, what are we going to be? Two, three, four seed? I mean, it's the expectation that you get in, right? You, It's making the Sweet 16 is a significant accomplishment. <laughs> it's not that daunting of a task. You play well in the regular season. You play well in the tournament. You win the first weekend games. Now it's time to get over that hump and get through the second weekend um, Oates can obviously kick that door down. He established a program that was the number one overall program in the country last year. So it's just a matter. And I think you look at this year's roster and I'm not over predicting or over expecting things, but I, th- you know, you've got Sears averaging 20 a game in conference play. You had guys step up against Mississippi state. I mean, Jaron Stevenson was four of six from deep Alabama didn't get to the line, but 10 times made all 10 free throws. Uh, Mo Diabate had a fantastic game. Uh, Wagy played great. I mean, you had great support. You missed 33 threes, and you just dominated a really good SEC opponent. I mean, Chris Jans, he had a frown on his face, I want to say, 38 and a half minutes out of the 40 games. He was just acknowledging that they were getting absolutely rocked in Coleman Coliseum. And that was about as complete of a game as we've seen from Alabama. But it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was, it was complete in that they played well and on both sides of the floor. Um, and it still felt like there was more to be desired from that Alabama team. They could have won it three different in three different styles yesterday. Um, so that's just to me been very impressive when you look at the growth and the trajectory of the program, not to give unrealistic hope or expectations to Alabama fans, but this is a quality team. This is a quality program. And let's not forget, traditionally, Alabama's the second winningest program in the league. Um, Who knows how long John Calipari is going to be around Kentucky? You know, I mean, he's not having the sustained success that Oates has had in recent years. Um, And I'm kind of just speaking left, right and center here all over the place. But this is this is not to be taken for granted. If you're an Alabama fan, this is extremely impressive. And the job that Oates has done should not be taken lightly.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the funny thing is, and this is kind of what I'd almost wager on, and I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but I'm, I'd say that the year that Alabama makes the crazy run, there's a good chance that that's the year that people don't necessarily expect it. You know, just because of the style of game, uh, the way we play, you can beat absolutely anyone. And so it, it would be just on brand for this to be the year that we just shoot a crazy percentage in the tournament and go on a run. Um I'll say this. Yeah. I was watching last night's game and just trying to picture what I would have thought if, when I was in high school. Uh, I had watched that Alabama game. Like, you know what I mean? Just like it just was so inconceivable back then that we would put up 48 three-pointers in a game, dominate, win by 30, get, you know, Mississippi State shot 22 more free throws. It didn't matter. Like, it just didn't matter. Um
0: and think about it, that it as a recruiting just, pitch too. telling a recruit, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you tell them, yeah. hey, we shot 48 threes in a game. We scored ninety nine points and we missed thirty three of our attempts. Come play for us. I'd be like, OK, where do I sign?
1: <laughs> yeah. And and I mean, you can speak to the atmosphere there a little better than I can, but it looks like it just another fantastic atmosphere. And and Alabama's really I mean, the last time Alabama lost an SEC game at home, you'll have to fact check me on this. But I was I was a player last time Alabama lost an SEC game at home and so which I guess is not that long ago but that's two seasons ago and uh, almost you know almost two whole years ago and so it's one of those things that um, just phenomenal what they've built in terms of a home atmosphere obviously people give it a hard time during November and December sometimes but what it's been built into in January, February, March has been pretty spectacular and uh, across the state, you you look at some of the best home court advantages in their respective leagues. Um, I you'd never think like I it just didn't cross my mind growing up that Alabama could be that as a basketball uh, fan state. Obviously, it's always supported college sports real well, but it was just so football centric that to see it kind of grow into this has been it's been really cool. Uh, but like you said, like the young guys are starting to step up. I thought the I think the defense is getting just way way better. Um, you know Mississippi State's gonna try to turn every game into a bit of a rock fight, and we didn't let it, as is shown by 48 three point attempts. Um, and we just dominated them in effort stuff. I don't know what it is because we always struggle at the hump, and we always dominate them. It feels like at home, uh, it, it's one of the weirder home away just like splits every year. Uh, but I. Shout out to uh Kai Spears as well. I wanna give him a quick shout out because uh I actually saw him last week at the Memphis game and I was kind of giving him a hard time because I was like, bro, when you get in the game, you gotta get your shots up. Not telling you to be selfish necessarily, but like you gotta look to get a shot up and uh attacked the basket first thing, got fouled and made both free throws. Um, which I did not do. So uh I, I almost airballed mine. So that was big time of him. And then he, he made a three, you know, a minute later and shout out to Max for the assist. So uh, the guys, the guys are getting better and um, it, it's just fun to watch this team right now. And, and they've really gelled. And so it's just so cool how they're kind of playing for each other. And, and like you said, big one coming up on Wednesday. Uh, it, it's on brand that it is Super Bowl week because it's uh, the Super Bowl for some. And so, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think that we're going to go in there and compete. I don't. You know, whenever we play at Auburn, I I hate to say this. I say the same thing about Jordan here. I don't care how bad uh, Auburn is on a given year. I'll never just expect too much going into that one. But and I'll say this, two and a half weeks ago, I would have probably said that I think Auburn is the better overall team. Probably through gritted teeth, but I probably would have said that. Right now, I think I'd say that the better overall team is Alabama. Um, It's just going to be a matter of playing up to the standard and uh, overcoming a really tough environment. Uh so it'll it'll be a fun one. I know that I'll I'll be tuned in. Um but it's it's a big week to to be able to bounce back from that Tennessee loss a couple weeks ago and win your next four. Um just says a ton about the the grit and the character of this team and uh they're on pace right now. It's 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 pretty big time.
0: The back half of this conference schedule is no joke at Auburn, at LSU, two big home games versus A&M in Florida. You go to Kentucky, Ole Miss on a Wednesday night, and a team that played well against Auburn, couldn't hold their own ultimately, but quality team in in Chris Beard's Ole Miss Rebels. Um, Tennessee at home, that's going to be what I would think would be the big test if you can hold off A&M in Florida, defending that home conference win streak against one of the best teams in the country in Tennessee. And then at Florida, tough environment to play, and then you play a shoddy Arkansas team at home to close out the season, regular season, um, man, Arkansas, they're, they're hot garbage this year. They're awful.
1: I mean, it is, it is tough to watch. Uh, I, I'm not going to get into all the rumors that have been going on over there. Uh, I, I can't, I, I refuse to believe that that's true, but if it is, it would explain how they're playing so poorly because the chemistry
0: just uh, something's off. Something so the is up that because mus- they're that Muscleman is, is going to leave Getting out in mid, it's off the rivers I'm speaking of, brother. But, I know, but I mean, just <laughs> let's let's be real here and talk about. Oh, forget all the off the court stuff. When it comes out that your coach is interested in leaving, and there's all these locker room questions. I mean, for a program that offered seemingly 80 kids a scholarship in the off season last year, like they've buried themselves in a hole. They're not in a good position. They're not a good team. They can't win. Um, but they, but they talk and their fans talk like they're one of the best teams in the country and well, they've had success in the past, but they're just not what they say they are.
1: Well, look, here's the deal with something like that is, you know, year after year, must has been able to, you know, he's called the importer, the importer, like he brings in guys from the portal every single year to basically build the foundation of his roster. And at some point in time, you're going to get a, a roster that just doesn't gel. Like you can't do it every single year and expect consistent success. Uh, That's why, you know, it's great that we use the portal as a tool. I've seen Alabama do it. I've seen Sanford do it, but the core of the program is still building through high school recruiting and getting your guys through that. And I think that that's so important. Um, Obviously you, you could argue that by saying, look at Mark Sears, look at, look at Grant Nelson, look at those guys. But at the end of the day, like, I know the way it was just aiming to build the program is through high school recruiting is so that you don't just rely on basically bringing in a full nucleus of guys through the portal every single year. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the expectations on this Arkansas team at it's honestly kind of mind boggling you know, when you compare how bad they've been, uh, to what the expectations were preseason. I, I can't remember a team that had this high of expectations and has fallen this hard on their face. Um, now, I, I'd i be remiss if I didn't add that I feel pretty happy every time I watch them fail and that uh, Muss is probably my least favorite coach in the SEC. So I'm just not too bummed out when he doesn't succeed. You, but m- you might have to
0: have a new least favorite coach in the SEC next year. I might. I might. Uh, we've so, given I'll them, be on the lookout. We've given them far too much air time. So uh, let's, hey, let's, wrap let's wrap up our thoughts. Let's wrap up our thoughts on South Carolina. I'm excited. I'm I'm talking to Bucky tomorrow. I'm excited to ask him about Lamont Paris because a guy who was in the SoCon, South Carolina had a horrible year in year one under him, expectedly. I mean, you got transfers out, and eventually he figures it out. South Carolina is just playing really well. They don't care if they're ranked or not. They've got the right attitude, and I want to know what makes him so successful. I want to know what another D1 coach sees in a former SoCon coach. Um Who's ha- who's able to have that level of success? Because I think it it may be more than the lucky quarters up. They're they're playing really well. Um, but let's let's on that note, let's jump over to Sanford and talk the, Sanford hoops because the Bulldogs for the third straight year have a twenty win season. They are currently twenty and three overall, nine and one in conference play, and a lot of people are going to say. Yeah, you have all quad three and quad four games. Well, yeah, because they're good enough to where quad one and two teams don't want to play them because they don't want to risk a loss in that sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, unbelievable week for the Bulldogs. And again, you talk about, we're talking about how if you went back six years, like you wouldn't be able to believe where Alabama's come, you know, what they've become. I feel the same way about Sanford. Like growing up, there's no disrespect to anybody that played there is associated with the program in the past, but it kind of sucked all my life growing up. Like they just weren't ever very relevant in the league or maybe that a couple of years where they were solid, but just never were able to sustain success. And so to see three straight 20 win seasons is it's phenomenal. Uh, obviously you started off the week with the Wofford game. I had a bunch of buddies go to that one. And I was watching the Alabama game and then just immediately flipped to the Sanford game. But, so I wasn't able to actually go to the game, but um a chore with the game winner. Uh Ryland's playing awesome. Like they, even though they probably shouldn't have let it get that close late, if we're gonna be real honest about it, um, still just a huge win there just to take care of business at home. And then, you know, obviously go into chat. I mean, chat was the number two team in the league, seven and two. And you get Jermaine Marshall back, who's just such a massive puzzle piece of this team, and just dominate. I mean, like, you know, you know how Bucky is. Like, he's he's so he gets the guy so locked in you feel like you're a soldier about to go into battle and you could tell i mean they, was, they were all about their business uh yesterday absolutely dominated chattanooga um and you know they still had that hurdle to get over and in, in Furman, but uh Furman six and three they're eight and one as it stands right now they are the class of the socon and they've been right there every year for the last couple of years um I think I saw something that was along the lines of 32 and six or 34 and six or something along those those lines of the last 38 SoCon games. Which again, if you had gone back five years, that seems inconceivable to even have a season. I think when two seasons ago they went 11 and seven or 12 and six in league, that was their record. That was the best SoCon season they had ever had. Now it's 32 and six over the last 38 or whatever. So uh unbelievable bucky's built that into i think he is um going to have big opportunities sooner rather than later um and i hope for the city of birmingham's sake that uh we we can keep him for at least a few more years um but he's going to be a really hot name in the in the national coaching search uh before too long and i think you and i have seen this coming for for years and years i I, I knew if he ever got a chance in college. But I even mean, back in high school, it's like if he ever gets the chance in college, he's going to be phenomenal. And
0: uh, you know, it always translates. So, by the by the way, I, I agree with you. I think we could have foreseen this coming, and not to say the audience, I told you so. But we we know it. We have seen it. We were a part of the program, you as you more recently, um, and seeing it at both levels. But on that note, let's let's close this out. Only a couple minutes left here. Nate Oates, Could possibly be his name, could be thrown around. And I don't know if his agent's Jimmy Sexton or whoever it is, but he could get another contract extension at Alabama because you look at possibly Izzo retiring or Michigan getting rid of Jawan Howard. Um, You know, the call to come home could be very possible in the coming months for him. And so Alabama could sign him to an even bigger contract and a bigger extension, which I think would be a worthy investment.
1: Yeah. And and you know, I've heard a lot of, of fans already start to like get pre worried about like the potential of Oates leaving. And and granted, you know, I, it's not like we talk regularly about like, hey, if this opportunity came up, would you consider I I've never really had that conversation, but I always tell people this when he came from Buffalo, um, I remember one of the first times he talked to this, to our team, he talked about how he had talked to Brad Stevens and Mark Few and a few other of these big time mid-major coaches who had built them into national powers and was talking to them about basically like, can I do this at Buffalo? Like, can I build Buffalo into this? Um, and he really did not want to leave Buffalo. And, and obviously Alabama was a huge step up from Buffalo. No offense to Maction or Buffalo or anything like that but just like the nature of a big SEC school Um, but it was still that hard for him to take that leap and I think that speaks to his loyalty as a person and uh, also just the fact that he has everything he needs to to year in year out build a contender at Alabama and I think that's all he cares about the dude is so competitive Um, I think he's found a home in Tuscaloosa the people love him here Um, I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon And, uh, you know, if I end up being proven wrong, I'll be sad about it. But uh, I really think that he's built a home in Alabama. And I think that as long as he feels that he can uh, build a contender here, that I couldn't see any of that changing. Um, I think he's rooted in pretty deep. So I wouldn't I wouldn't get too worried if I was an Alabama fan about all this. Uh, There's going to be a lot of stuff thrown around. You know, you've seen it a lot in football the last few weeks, but it's everyone's real quick to make sure to be like, oh, let's throw this name out there and. Nine times out of ten, it amounts to nothing. So, uh, don't get lost
0: in the shuffle of it all. Nate has got to wait at least two and a half more years for you to graduate Cumberland, so you can be his attorney and represent him in contract negotiations. Maybe you become his agent or something like that, um, and you open a sports agency. Who knows? Maybe that's. I I wouldn't hate that. That wouldn't, wouldn't. That wouldn't be the wouldn't, worst thing in the world. There, there are worse gigs in life. All right, Main <laughs> Street's podcast, uh, for the week of first, for first full week of February. William Galloway and Britton Johnson. We appreciate you joining us on the Main Street's podcast. Check us out on social media. We're going to hopefully have some more content coming in as we get into the February stretch of conference play here in college basketball. As always, we cover Sanford. We cover Alabama, and we talk about everything inside the huddle that Britain's been able to see, um, as a immediate former player, uh, college player for Sanford as well as Alabama. We appreciate you joining us each week, Britain, take us home with the final word. Yeah, man, I know we don't have any home games coming
1: up this week, but just when the opportunity arises, keep making Coleman. One of, if not the best home atmospheres in the sec. Um, it's so huge for building the brand, but it's been awesome to see And just so encouraging for me. So, uh, roll tide and let's, let's win this eyeball. How about we sweep them? How about it?